You can only change what you see and acknowledge what needs to be changed. One of the things we need to change is our thinking. Today, we'll be looking at one more fact about the way we think. This message is the fifth in the series, Remind. The message is entitled, From Unhealthy to Healthy, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets as we get ready to look at this message series, Remind. I'm going to talk to us this morning, continuing the theme of moving from the unhealthy to the healthy. What does this mean for us in our lives? One of the passages we're looking at as a theme passage for us in this series is Proverbs chapter 4, verse number 23, and I'd like to simply begin our message time today by asking all of us to read this together aloud and loudly, all the folks in Frederick and Gaithersburg, let's uh, put on our best reading voices. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to read the Bible. Go and tell them, it's time to read the Bible. Here we go. And let's read it aloud and loudly together, Proverbs 4, 23. Here we go. Be careful what you think because your thoughts run your life. The Bible says be very careful what you think about because your thoughts are the software of your life. Your thoughts are running you. Your thoughts are directing what you do with your life. The Apostle Paul speaks of this same concept in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. Let me read for you from the New Century Version. We'll also read from the New Living Translation. Do not be shaped by this world. Instead, be changed within by a new way of thinking. Then you will be able to decide what God wants for you. You will know what is good and pleasing to Him and what is perfect. New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I want to remind you that I believe that God is speaking to us as a church family. He's speaking to you in your life. And I believe the word that He has for all of us this year is that God wants to use this year to change your thinking. This ought to be a year that your thinking becomes different. It gets better. It becomes more holy and it becomes more healthy this year. And the reason for this is because obviously if you and I are going to have a better life, we have to have better thinking. And we have to change the way that we think. Now, thinking, where does it happen at? Thinking happens in your brain, happens in your mind. Your mind is an incredible organ given to you by God. And it's a gift that God gave you. But what you do with your mind is your gift back to God. God gave you a mind. And when you think the right way, you're offering a gift back to Him through the right kind of thinking. And so how do we get to this place so that we're thinking the right way? Well, we need a thought plan. You'll never think the right way unless you have a right plan. You'll never accomplish anything in life without a plan to accomplish it. And the same is true for changing your thinking. There has to be a plan in place for the change to transpire. And so I have one basic point I want to share with you today. One simple thing that I want you to leave with today and carry with you for this next week and in the weeks to come. And the simple truth is this. God, in His Word, has given to us what we might call a thought intervention plan. Write it down. You're never going to change your thinking without a plan, and the good news is that God has given us a plan in His Word, a thought intervention plan. Here's the challenge that most of us have. We just, we just sort of think, and we never really think about what we're thinking about. Thoughts just happen. They sort of come and go, and we pick up on things here and there, maybe in a conversation we have with someone or something we're listening to on the radio or something we're watching on television, a website we're looking at. And the thoughts are happening, 
and we're not really discriminating in terms of what we're thinking about. We don't usually stop and say, wow, what's going on in my head right now? And because of that, all kinds of things get inside of us because we haven't taken the time to think about our thinking. And part of what happens is because we don't have, because we don't think about our thinking, we don't put in place some very important filters for our thought process. Now, I have an illustration I want to use today, I think, that will help us to understand this a little bit better. I want you to think with me for a moment that what I have here, this container, represents the thoughts of the world around us, okay? You can see it's kind of murky looking and all kind of stuff in it. And what happens is you go through any, any day, you have conversations with people and they're giving you their thoughts, right? Because when you have a conversation, you're getting what they're thinking, right? You listen to the radio program or something that you may be uh, watching on television, I said, or something you're reading. You're picking up on people's thoughts. And so the world around us, day in and day out, it's giving us thinking, thoughts, okay? If we don't know what to do with those thoughts, if we don't filter them, what happens is this. All of the thoughts that are coming our way in any given day, where do they end up? This is your brain, okay? And so the world around you is pouring thoughts into you, and quite often those thoughts aren't always pretty, right? In the environment where you work, sometimes you're hearing things you wish you wouldn't hear, correct? Sometimes on a television program, radio program you're listening to or watching, you pick up things, thoughts come your way that are not pleasing to God, not healthy ways of thinking, not holy ways of thinking. But the problem is, in your mind, if you don't have a filter system in your mind, then what happens, whatever is out here, where does it end up? In here, okay? Now I want to introduce something for you here, okay? It's called a filter. Right? Everybody say yuck. Ugly. Nasty. Don't want it. All right? The world comes along and begins to pour its thoughts into us, but we've gained some wisdom, and so we have now employed a filter on our thinking. And so as the world pours in to our mind, there's a filter before it gets into our system. And what happens? You see the difference? What has happened is a filter has been introduced and the filter cleans it up. Now, there's still things that will make, 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 make their way in. Of course, we still have to continue to work on our mind and keep our mind as clean as we possibly can. But would you agree with me, this is better than what this looked like, amen? Which of the two would you rather have in your life? What I had in here a few moments ago or what you see here? Of course, this. Why? Because a filter has been introduced. And so today, what I want to do from God's Word is to help you to see that you don't have to take in everything the world offers. God provides you a mental filter. Isn't that good? But the filter is not going to work unless you use it. See, God's not just going to zap you with the filter, okay? You have, to, you have to actually pull the filter out and put it in place. And if you don't put it in place, it's not going to operate. Now, I'm going to give you an example of this in just a moment from the book of Philippians. But let me tell you a little bit about the book of Philippians before we uh, talk about this filtering process that uh, we have some answers for in the Bible. 
The book of Philippians, it's a very short book. We've talked about it before. It's a great book of the New Testament, one of my favorite books of the New Testament. It's easy to read, four chapters. You can read it fairly quickly. But it's also a, it covers so many different topics in the Christian faith. And the book of Philippians, just so you know, was written by the Apostle Paul. It was written during a time of great difficulty in his life. From everything we can tell, it was written while he was in the Mamertine prison in Rome. That prison was well known. It was notorious for being a horrible place for prisoners to be. And so here is Paul in this imprisoned, horrible place, and he's chained to two soldiers, right and left, day in, day out, 24 hours, 365. There he is. It's not just for a matter of a few days or a few weeks. It's a matter for at least a couple of years or more that he's there in that prison. While he's in that prison, would you agree that Paul had a lot of time to think, didn't he? Right? You're stuck in a prison. You've got a lot of time to think. And the thoughts you can have in prison, I've never been there. Aren't you glad to know I've never been in prison? That's good to know, okay? I've visited a number of people over the years in prison. I can tell you this. The things that go on in a prison environment can create a lot of bad thinking. There's a lot of negative stuff that, that occurs, a lot of threats that exist there, a lot of bad stuff that's going on. And so going to prison is not exactly the best place to clean up your mind. But there is Paul, he's in prison, he had a lot of opportunity to think, and he had a lot of opportunity to think a lot of bad things. He's there, by the way, for no, no fault of his own. He's not even done anything wrong. But there he is in prison, suffering at the hands of other people. He's dealing with the abuse, most likely, of the guards that are around him. He's dealing with all kinds of stuff. And so here's the opportunity for Paul to think. But Paul gets into such a mindset in prison that while the prison is trying to pour all of this junk inside of him, Paul makes a different decision. He puts a filter on his mind, and he writes the book of Philippians, which is known as the Epistle of Joy. It's the letter of joy. How could Paul write the letter of joy in a very negative place? How could Paul be in an environment like that and end up writing a book like Rejoice in the Lord Always, Again I Say Rejoice? How can you write words like that, Paul? And the reason he could write that kind of a letter is because he had employed a filter on his thinking. And the beautiful thing is that Paul didn't leave us guessing as to what the filter was. He specifically told us how he thought. And he gave us his filter, which really is God's filter, because the book of Philippians is not just a book written by the Apostle Paul. It is, a, it is a divine book, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so we are not only receiving Paul's way of thinking, but God is teaching us how we are to think. So I would like to see how Paul handled his situation. How about you? I'd like to see how God teaches us to think. What is God's thought intervention plan? What enabled Paul to write such a beautiful letter of joy in the midst of such negative thought, potential, potentially negative thought processes? Go with me now to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We read it first here from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read it from the message paraphrase. And now, dear brothers and sisters, that's for all of us. That's, he's talking to us. God is. One final thing. He's wrapping up his letter. Last chapter of this little book. Fix your, what's the word there? Circle that word on your notes. What is Paul talking about now? He's talking about his thinking. He's talking about our thinking. Fix your thoughts and here he describes now the filter he had used and the filter that he wanted 
us to use in our thinking. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Underline these words as we go through. There'll be eight of them, true and honorable, the next word, and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things. Again, he's talking about thinking. Think about things that are excellent. There's your next word. And then the phrase there, and worthy of praise. So there Paul gave us eight words or phrases, and he says, when you think, fix your thoughts on these things. In essence, he's saying, this is the filter I used in the prison that I didn't deserve to be in to keep my mind where it needed to be so that joy was maintained in my life. And then the next verse, he says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. He says, the way I was able to keep my peace in the midst of this is I kept my mind where it needed to be. Have you noticed that when your mind gets off track, your peace goes out the window? And so here Paul said, I kept my peace with God because I kept my mind in the right place. Let me read this now from the message paraphrase. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmony. So Paul again says, again this paraphrase says, make sure you're thinking the right way. Think the best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. And so I want to take a few moments this morning. I'm just simply going to do a Bible study with you. Is that okay? That's what we're here for, right? You're not here to hear from me. You're here to study the Bible, okay? And so I'm just going to do a basic Bible study with you today. I'm going to talk to you about these eight words that Paul used and described as the filter for his life, his mind, and the filter for our minds as well. So by the time you leave today, you're going to have a filter. Would you say with me, I'm about to get a filter. Say it with me. I'm about to get a filter. You're about to get a filter for your mind, okay? The first one, write it down, is think about things, fix your mind on things that are true. True. Now, I was very interested in this word, as I'm going to show you with all these words. I did some study in the original language for each of these words, and this was a very intriguing word as I studied it more deeply, and I found out something about this word that you want to know. I found out that true literally means true. Literally means true. It means things that are real. Think about things that are real. Think about stay in reality, Paul says. Have your thoughts ever taken you out of reality? Of course they have. Have you ever wasted a lot of mental energy and emotional energy thinking about things that weren't even true? And you wasted a day or you wasted a week or a month or sometimes even longer. And you had something in your mind that later you found out it wasn't even true at all. And you put all this investment in terms of your thinking. And Paul says, hey, number one, if you want to keep joy in your life, you've got to make sure that what you're thinking about is really true. Because if you think about things that aren't true or not based in reality, they're going to affect your emotions. Now, usually when we build our own realities... They're not good realities, they're bad realities. 
See, our orientation is to expect the worst, not the best. And so our minds will take us. Have you ever had maybe a situation with a person, and in your mind you were convinced that person didn't like you? And you just felt, you just, in your mind, you were absolutely sure they didn't like you. And so you went for months, maybe, or, or longer uh, in the, interacting with that person, sort of pulling back and fear, fearing they didn't like you. And then you found out, not only did they, it was not true, but they were afraid that you didn't like them. And so you had this dynamic that was going on. It wasn't true. And so Paul says, the first filter before you invest in a thought, make sure it is true. The second one. What's the second word? It's the word honorable, okay? Make sure that it is honorable. The word honorable in the original language literally means taking the high road is the idea. Have you noticed how your mind tends to go to the low road instead of the high road? That when something happens, you tend to, maybe someone treats you the wrong way or responds or reacts to you the wrong way, and you want to get down there on their level instead of staying at a higher level. And the idea of being honorable, you can't be honored if you're not honorable. And to be honorable means that you take a high road in life rather than a low road, that you have your, your thoughts are deserving of respect. You keep your thoughts upward instead of downward. And Paul said in prison, I had to make sure I kept my thoughts up, I had to keep my spirits up, my thinking, I would not let the, the environment pull me down to its level. No, I continued to pull my thinking up. And so I thought truthfully, and I thought honorably, and that's the challenge for us as well. Then the third word is make sure that your thinking is right. Right. What that word means literally is it's righteous. It's morally right. You're never going to have a right life if you think wrong moral thoughts. And God has given us moral code, a moral code in His Word. He's given us, he's given us commands and principles and precepts to follow. And when you and I live by the Bible, live by what God says is right and what God says is wrong, if we keep our mind on the things that God declares to be right and what God declares to be wrong, that, that elevates our life to a new level. It keeps our thinking where it needs to be, to think like God says to think. Number four, make sure your thoughts are pure, that they're clean, they're free from impurities free from poison, free from contamination. There are lots of things in our world today, folks. Listen to me. There are lots of things in our world today that will poison your mind. A lot of things that will poison your mind. There are a lot of media-related things that you can listen to and watch and expose yourself to. And when you come away, what has happened without you realizing it as some poison has gotten into your mind, it's affected attitudes. It's affected how you think about people. It's affected how you respond to people. There are conversations you can get into with folks if you're not careful. And before long, the interaction of that conversation can poison your thinking. It can pull you to a place that is less than how God would want you to think. And you may not even realize it because you're not employing the filter you're not being discriminatory about your thoughts and you find you've walked away and then something has happened it's just a little bit of something gets into your system and it begins to poison you contaminate you all around us are all these poisons these toxins in our world poisons of lust and greed and materialism and poisons of pride and arrogance and poisons of resentment and bitterness and all kinds of things that we can just partake of. Let me ask you a question. How much poison is too much? Okay. 
If I said, hey, here's a glass of water, it only has one little drop of arsenic in it, just one little bit. Oh, it's not a big deal. I mean, just a little bit of arsenic. You'd be a fool to drink it, right? Because I don't want any in my system. And so Paul says, I made sure as I'm going through this prison experience that I, I was thinking truthfully and I was thinking honorably. I, I kept my thoughts high where they needed to be and I, I kept my thoughts right. I kept in mind what was righteous and what pleased God. And I made sure also that my thoughts were pure and then number four, that they were lovely. Lovely, lovely. That word is maybe a little difficult, especially for us guys to grasp because we don't like to think of things as lovely. So let me help you out, guys. The word lovely literally means agreeable. It means non-contentious. It means that you are, you are manifesting or going toward or pursuing love in the way you think. That you're not looking for a fight all the time. Have you met people before that it seems as though they're always looking for a fight? There's just a contentious spirit inside of them. It's that proverbial chip on the shoulder. And if you don't knock the chip off, they'll knock it off for you. As they say, there are some people who will fight at the drop of a hat and drop their own hat to fight. And that's a lot of folks. They have this contention in their spirit. They think contentious thoughts. And a thought that is contentious is one that says, I've got to win. I've got to beat you. I've got to be better than you. I've got to put you down so that I can be elevated up, so I can feel better about me. I've got to make you look less than me. And so that's the kind of thinking that Paul says, don't go there. Don't let that be a part of your life. Put a filter on your life and make sure only the lovely thoughts come through, the thoughts that are non-contentious, the thoughts that aren't oriented toward bitterness and resentment, thoughts that are grace-filled and gracious and graceful, winsome is another word. Number six, make sure that your thoughts are admirable. We can also say that word admirable, that they're worthy of being admired the old King James Version gives us this term that your thoughts are thoughts of good report. Say that with me. Good report. Good report. Admirable. Good report. Here's what it means. It literally means thinking the best of other people. Our orientation as human beings is to think oftentimes the worst of other people rather than the best. It's to prejudge or judge other people in ways that, again, put them down rather than elevating them up. And then what happens when you begin to think the wrong things or think negatively of someone else, it's just a matter of time before you're speaking negatively of someone else. Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the heart includes your mind, the mouth will speak. And so if you have a negative thought about someone, some point, at some point in time in a conversation, what will you also have? You'll have a negative word about them. That's where the Bible says be of good report. See, a good report is a report that is always believing the best about others. In fact, the Bible says that love believes the best of others. And so a good report means that we have the right thought about people around us so that when we speak of them, we speak well of them rather than in derogatory terms. You know where gossip comes from? You know where rumors come from? They start in the minds of people. 
See, a rumor is not, first and foremost, a disease of your mouth. It's a disease of your mind. People who are gossipers and, and, and rumor mongers are people who think the wrong way about people. Something is askew in the way that they think about people, and so it's just a matter of time before it manifests itself through their mouth. And so gossip and those kinds of things, again, not primarily a disease of your mouth. It is a disease, first and foremost, of your mind. And Paul says, make sure that you're admirable in the way that you think. Then excellent, excellent, excellent. Say it with me, excellent. Paul said, I didn't let anything into my mind except thoughts that were excellent. Excellent thoughts produce excellent actions. If you want to change a child into a more excellent student, what do you have to change first? It's not a trick question. Where does it start at? Teachers, where does it start? You know, with kids working in your classroom. If you want the child to do better in your class, you've got to help them think that it's possible for them to do better, right? If a child doesn't believe that they can do a better job in math or, or, or whatever the subject might be, if they're convinced, I can't learn this, then are they going to be able to learn it? No, because they've now put a restriction on themselves. And so excellence in behavior always starts with excellence in your thought process. Here's an example. Two restaurants. You go to one restaurant, you sit down, the, the, the server shows up. I mean, they're all just, you know, their shirt tails hanging out. And it's like, hey, what's up? You want something? No, we don't have any of that today. And they sloppily respond to you, and they sloppily treat you. And then you go to another restaurant, and the, and the server shows up, and they're properly, uh, they've tr been trained properly. They know how to pay attention to what your needs might be. They're actually anticipating what your needs are before you even vocalize them or verbalize them. And they're right on top of things. The difference in those two places is that one company, one organization has not trained these folks to think the right way about what they're doing, and the other one has taken the time to train their employees to think, this is how we do things here. And so their behavior comes out of their thought process. And Paul says, I want you to raise your life to a level of excellence, and that means you have to think excellence in everything that you do. And then the last one is praiseworthy, worthy of praise. He says, that's the filter that I use. I make sure that whatever I do at the end of the day, the way I think, that it's actually worthy of praise. It produces praise. See, in your life, your mind will either always be in one of these two categories. It'll either be grumbling or grateful. If we could just stop you at any moment of the day and take a snapshot of what's going on in your brain in one category and say, okay, in this category, are you grumbling or are you grateful? Can I ask you today? The bulk of the time, if we were to stop you and take a mental snapshot and put it through the right processes and able to come out grumbling or grateful, where do you spend most of the time in your mind? 
Many of us, unfortunately, spend most of the time on the grumbling side of that equation. But Paul says, what I've learned to do is make sure that I'm thinking praiseworthy thoughts. That is, I don't spend all of my energy on what I don't have. I spend my time and energy focusing on what I do have. I don't spend all of my time and energy focusing upon what I've lost. I spend my time focusing on what I have left. See, Paul had lost a lot of things. He'd lost his freedom, hadn't he? He lost a lot of opportunities, but he could have been very miserable, grumbling his way through prison. But Paul said, no, I don't go there in my mind. I don't let my mind go there. I make sure my mind is pulled over to the grateful category. Folks, remember something. Every time you're going through a grumbling moment, stop for a moment and say, you know what? In reality, I have a lot more to be grateful for than I have to grumble about. Amen? And that changes everything. And Paul said, I put these filters on my mind. And I want you to see the only way, the only way that Paul could write a letter like he wrote in the book of Philippians. You read it for yourself. It is filled with joy, 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 rejoice. I mean, all through the book, how could he write a letter like that? He said, the only way I could do that is to make sure I kept my mind in the right place. I put some filters on my mind. Now, how do we do this? Let me wrap it up for you very, very quickly here today. There are five phrases I want to give you. I'm going to ask you to read them together with me. Let's all read them. Gaithersburg, Frederick as well. How are you going to get your filter on? First one you have to read together. Inter- here we go. Interrogate your thoughts. What does interrogate mean? It means that you question your thoughts systematically. You don't just accept everything you think. You question your own thinking. You interrogate what you're thinking. Number two, you investigate your thoughts. You've got to discover what's true and what's not true. That's what investigation does. You find out what's really the facts here, what's really true. Number three, you intervene in your thoughts. That means you've got to step in sometimes. You know, there are times you need to just stop what you're doing and say, you know what, I am really thinking the wrong way. And look at yourself in the mirror and say, stop it. Your mind's going the wrong place here. Your mind is going somewhere it doesn't need to go. Just look at yourself in the mirror and say, stop it. Don't wait for somebody else to have to tell you that. Tell yourself, intervene. See, this is the power that God has given you to make a choice to put filters in your life. Number four, inspect your thoughts. Your thoughts need to be inspected regularly. Think of, write the word down beside, inspect your thoughts, write this word down, think just the word fruit, just write it around, fruit or produce. I'm always intrigued when I go to the, to the grocery store that first of all, I'm actually in a grocery store because I very seldom go. That's intriguing to me, okay? My wife is shaking her head over there. Yes, she's right, okay. But when I go to the grocery store and go to the produce area, I like to watch people because there's some people when they go to the produce area, they actually look like they know what they're doing, okay? They pick up like a melon and they like thump it and feel it and like all this stuff and like, I mean like, put the stethoscope on, listen to it, and just check it out. I'm like, is it round? Okay, let's take it. Okay? That's my thought process. But I've learned by watching these folks, there must be something going on here, okay? They must know something that I don't know. And what they know is they've learned over time what represents a, 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 a melon that is, that is ripe or a melon that is overripe 
or a melon that is pre-ripe. They understand those kinds of things just by feeling it and thumping it and whatever else they do with it, okay? But they've learned to inspect it. And that inspection, it, it, it's, it's a fine-tuning thing. And that's what I want you to begin to do with your mind. See, we can sort of broadly inspect our thoughts, but God wants you over time to become more discriminatory in the way that you think, that you can actually fine-tune and be a fruit inspector, a produce inspector, so that over time you actually get more proficient, more skilled at thoughts that are good or not good. Thoughts that maybe, yeah, they're okay, but they're not the best, okay? And so you begin to develop that, that discernment, that capacity to be sort of the fruit inspector in your mind. And then the last one, read together with me. Here we go. That you, what? Infuse new thoughts into your mind that fit God's criteria. Here's what I want you to see. I'm going to wrap up with this. Infuse means to actually bring into. It means to put there something that wasn't there for the, in, for the sake of influence, for the sake of change. You infuse. You interject is another word, okay? Something in. It is a lot easier to change your thinking by introducing or interjecting new thoughts than it is to try to resist old thoughts. Anything you resist, you give power to. Anything that you replace, you give power to. For example, if I tell you today, right now, do not, whatever you do, do not think about a pink elephant. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Do not think about a pink elephant. Do not think about a pink... Do not! What are half of you thinking about at least, okay? You're trying your best to get that image out of your head. But if I say, think about, you know, an orange, an orange uh, giraffe, okay? Thank you. What happens is, what I what I've encouraged you to think about automatically replaced what you were trying to resist. You with me? That's what you want to learn to do with your mind. Not always fight the thoughts you're trying to get rid of. Oh, I'm just trying to get rid of this thought of lust. Or I'm trying to get rid of this thought of greed. Or I'm just trying to get rid of this thought of jealousy. I'm just, put, I'm fighting, fighting, fighting these thoughts. These, I've got to get rid of this. No, don't spend your energy fighting those thoughts. Find other thoughts that will replace them, okay? That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 21, the Scripture says, not on your notes, but you can write it down, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How do you, what's the best way to overcome evil? By finding the good and replacing the evil with the good. That's why Paul said, don't live according to the old man. Put on the new man, the new person created in Christ Jesus, so you focus on what is right as opposed to focus on pushing away what is wrong. So what have we talked about today? We've talked about one thing, one thing alone. What has God given every one of us in His Word? A thought what? Intervention plan. And the only way you'll ever change your thinking is by employing the intervention plan and getting a filter. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. We ask in Jesus' name that you'll help, help us, Lord God, today to learn how to employ the filters on our mind that you want us to employ by the power of your Holy Spirit. We trust you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. 
Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings.